Welcome to the Awareness Offerings Podcast, a weekly offering of yoga philosophy discussion and guided meditation for the moments we're living in. I'm your host, Laura Tara Davy Joplin. I'm a yoga and meditation teacher, spiritual social media strategist, and integrative counselor, working to integrate the principles of the spiritual path into every aspect of my work and my life. This podcast is an extension of that work as I navigate the world as a white woman devotee of yoga, living at many intersections of privilege, living in the West, and trying to live with awareness. Thank you for joining me in this work. You're listening to episode 38, Wrap Your Mind Around It. Welcome to this week's awareness offering. Very grateful that you are here and that we get to share a little digital airwave space together. If you'd like to support this digital airwave space, the best ways you can do so are by rating and or leaving a review and or subscribing on whatever platform you're using to listen to this podcast, which helps other people find it. And you can also help other people find it by sharing by social or excuse me, sharing via social media or by word of mouth, if that feels resonant for you. And I'm grateful for all the ways that you help support this show and make it into a shared space that other people can find. Um, But know that my deepest gratitude, as I say every week, is for the fact that we just get to do this together, that I get to sit here and speak into this microphone and share my thoughts and the tools I've been given uh, and that you're listening and offering your energy uh, into this work, into this project. So thank you. Let's get started. Let's go into our opening ritual of singing the sound of Om one time. Om is the vibration of consciousness. It's a Sanskrit word. And in the Sanskrit language, each syllable, each word has a vibration or an energy or a resonance, which is kind of more important than the actual literal translation of the word. And so Om is the resonance of deep consciousness. Essentially, we are calling on or trying to kind of tune ourselves into the deepest awareness that we can by singing om, which is something you can do by singing out loud, or you can just listen. So if you're coming along with me here, I'll invite you to get your body into a comfortable position. You could choose to close your eyes or soften your gaze by looking down the tip of your nose or toward the floor, just to prioritize the internal over the external for the moment of this practice. And then I'll invite you to take a breath in through your nose if nostril breath is available to you right now. And a breath out, just using the exhale to clear some space for yourself. And then we'll take an inhale for OM together. for joining me in that practice. And now we'll go into this week's discussion. And I began this week's discussion in my Instagram stories earlier this week. I I made an observation of something that was going on and I felt um 
passionate enough about it that I felt like I needed to make commentary on it in that moment. So I took to my Instagram stories to do that. And as I say that out loud, you know, I'm observing myself. I am an Aries. That is the constellation that the sun and moon were in when I was born 28 years ago, Saturday of this week. I'm recording this on the week. Um, I'm recording this on April 7th. My birthday is April 9th. Um, So it is Aries season. um, And the constellation of Aries is a fire sign. It is associated with the element of fire and both the sun and the moon in my natal chart. um, You know, the, the, the chart, the, the course of the stars, the positioning of the stars and planets when I was born, uh, both the sun and the moon are in Aries. And so I have a lot of that fire sign essence in my chart. And I leave it to you to decide how much you um, are open to the influence of the stars and planets in people's ways of being. I certainly don't think it's a predictor of the future or it means certain things about me that are set in stone. I just see it as personality mapping. Um, it's a way of understanding myself, just like you know, the Enneagram is a way of understanding ourselves or different types of personality tests. It's just another tool among many for self-understanding. And to me, it makes sense because you know, if we accept that we are made of the same material as the stars and planets, it makes sense that the position of the stars and planets when we were born could impact um, our nature a little bit. So all that is to say, I have a lot of that fire sign in my nature. And so I'm seeing my choice to take to my Instagram stories the other day, immediately when I saw something going on that I had to make some commentary on. I'm lovingly seeing that as a very fire sign thing to do. I have a lot of passion, a lot of fire. I can get flared up very easily. Um, and that can be both really powerful cause I can be very clear on my values and my, um, kind of my position on things. And, and, um, I can use that to speak as I did on Instagram and as I'm going to do today, but it can also translate to reactivity. Um, and so I'm just noticing that observing that about myself, you know, the choice to see something on the internet and then immediately get on the internet and make some commentary. It's a very fire sign thing to do, but that is what I did (laughs) the other day. I was reading about, and I want to offer sort of a content advisory that I'm going to discuss a little bit of uh, the events in Ukraine right now, as we are continuing to live in a time where there is war in Ukraine here um, in April of 2022. So know that there will be discussions of war um, and violence. um, And so know that that's happening. And if it's something you're a little sensitive to, It's not, excuse me, we're not going to go into incredibly graphic, you know, discussion, but it will be there. So just be, be aware that that's going to happen. And if that's not something that you feel open to hearing about right now, this may not be the episode to listen to, but that's what I was reading about the other day as I, as I started this particular conversation, um, that I am now going to continue in this podcast, but I was, uh, in my car as one is, you know, you, you get home, you park your car, and then you have to have that ritual of sitting in the car for however long before you can walk inside. And I was doing that and I was reading updates on what's going on in Ukraine, specifically in the suburbs of Kiev. Ukraine's capital, um, where Russian forces had been occupying for several weeks and they have now pulled back. And now that the Russian forces have pulled back, there is um, the world and Ukraine um, has the capacity to see what's actually been done. We can um, 
you know, go in and, and see what's been going on in those places now that they are no longer occupied. And the, the, um, the reality is, um, horrifying. It's horrific. There is no other way around it. There is, um, there are independently verified news sources, um, detailing what went on and what what has been done uh in the suburbs of kiev and so i want to you know make it clear i this is not a news podcast um i'm not claiming to offer you news uh, but i will say that the facts about the atrocities that have been committed in the suburbs of kiev have been independently verified um by several trusted independent uh journalism uh, journalistic organizations um and if you want more information on what has been going on i would encourage you to find a new source that you trust several probably um, and and read about it but the the big picture reality is that um, civilians have been killed indiscriminately in the suburbs of Kiev in Ukraine Ukrainian civilians um, were shot at close range uh, some of them had their hands tied behind their backs uh, bodies were left in the streets and um, more atrocities than I can even or even care to name on this podcast um, committed against civilians by Russian forces and um, it's very likely that these are war crimes that have been committed um, against the Ukrainian people and um, I have found this entire scenario heartbreaking in a way that cuts right to that fire sign placed within me that I am I am flared up. I am deeply, deeply passionate about how wrong I believe this war is. Um, any war at all, like my stance is fuck war. Um, and I'm, I'm very much aware that Ukraine is not the only place that war and atrocity is unfolding. And a lot of the reason I've said this before on this podcast, and a lot of this, the reason that we're talking about it more than other conflicts is because of the fact that it is Eurocentric and that reveals a bias, but it is really, really central to kind of global relations. Um, and it is really significant in that it is the, the most significant conflict since World War II in 80 years. So there is some reason to why we're talking about this uh, more. Um, but I, I keep up with it every day and it, it gets right to that fire in my heart in that I am just adamantly against this uh, conflict. I'm adamantly against the aggression on the on the part of the Russian Federation against the Ukrainian people. And I, it's always disturbed me, bothered me, broken my heart deeply that the Ukrainian people are in, the, in a position to be um, having violence done against them, to be displaced, um, to be, you know, murdered. But now these new details about what's been going on now that there's been some pullback and there's room for the rest of the world to see what has gone on, where the Russian forces have been occupying. Um, it's a whole new level. It's a whole new level of heartbreak and, um, horror. I mean, it is horrifying. These are atrocities. Um, and so, I feel that fire sign essence every time I read about it, I get flared up and I get pissed off and I get heartbroken. Um, and it's, and there's, a, there's grief and there's agony and there is just so much heavy emotion and I want to scream about it. Um, and so I, I, I name that, I say that out loud, I think just to process in real time why when I was in my car the other day reading about these developments in the suburbs of Kiev, reading about the um, 
the, the atrocities that we are now aware have been committed. I think I, I say that to explain why it was so easy for me to say, oh my gosh, I've got to react to this right now. Um, because I was, I was reading these details that I just described to you a bit here. I was reading them in the car a couple days ago. Um, and I think the particular story that I saw came from a Facebook article. And so there was a comments section. So I wasn't just reading it on my web browser. I was reading it through Facebook, which means there was the option to then read other people's commentary on the story. And so I went into the comments section and I'm aware that that was probably a mistake, um, in its own right, just because, you know, there common sections can be places where um, deep and intelligent discourse happens, but a lot of the times common sections are just, um, they can raise your blood pressure, to put it mildly. And I know that sometimes the thing, the thing to do to preserve our mental health and our, um, our centeredness is to just stay out of the comments section, but you know, that Aries nature, we, we love drama. That's part of that fire sign essence. And so I got to always read the comments section when I have the option. So I was reading this article about the atrocities committed outside Kiev. And then I go to read the comments and see what other people are saying about what's going on here. And the comment that I kept seeing over and over and over again was, I can't wrap my mind around this. I can't understand how a person or people could commit such evil. I can't understand this. I just can't wrap my mind around this. And that particular sentiment is what flared my Aries fire up and inspired me to take to my Instagram stories and offer my commentary on what I think about people saying, oh, I just can't wrap my mind around this. And I'm going to share that commentary with you here and expand on the conversation a little and then offer some practice around some of the themes that are coming up around this. Um, But before I tell you exactly what I said and what I think about that sentiment, I want to offer a little bit of a softening because when, you know, when I immediately read it, I was mad and I was heartbroken and I was kind of in a place of just anger and needing a place to put that anger. And I think that I directed some of it at those people who were saying those things in the comments section, like, oh, I just can't wrap my mind around this. And I still feel a lot of what I feel about that when I initially read it, but I want to soften a little bit um, because that's my work as an, as a fire sign is to, you know, Keep the fire burning because the world needs fire sometimes, uh, but to build a good fire pit around it, to keep it contained so it doesn't burn me up or anyone else. And compassion helps to soften it a little bit so that I can contain it. So I'll offer the compassionate awareness that I understand. I understand where that response might come from because it's horrific. War is horrific. You've probably heard the phrase, it's pretty common, war is hell. And this is the first time in many of our lifetimes, you know, in almost a century, that we are seeing large scale conflict up close. And it's even closer than it's ever been because, you know, during World War II, there were 
there were, you know, um, newspapers and radio. And then in the Vietnam War, that was the first time there was television broadcast during wartime that we got to get even closer to the horrors of war. But now here in this digital age we're in, we're as close as we've ever been because we have social media. Everyone, most people at least, have a phone camera that they can capture in real time what they're seeing in front of them and then share that with the world. And so we are getting the most graphic and immediate and real-time information about this kind of large-scale war that's ever existed. And war has always been horrific, but it's even more horrific how close we are to it in this particular period in our world. And so I, com- I do, I do understand the tendency to, to balk, to, to brace ourselves against that horror and to kind of close off and say, no, 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 I can't look at that. I can't even wrap my mind around that. I can't even understand how a person could be capable of that. No, I have no, I I can't identify with that in any way because it's just too horrible. And it is horrible. And so I, before I offer the commentary that I've been offering about this over the last few days, I want to start with that compassionate understanding because it is important. I understand. I understand that response. But, and, let's not do a but. Doesn't have to be an either or thing. So I'll say and. I think that when we see the horrors that humanity is capable of, like we are being asked to see and bear witness to right now in this period of horrific war, I think when we see those things and we respond by saying, I can't wrap my mind around that. I can't believe anyone's capable of that kind of evil. I think that is the incorrect line of thinking. And I say that without or with as little judgment as I can possibly manage and with a lot of compassion, both that compassion for where that response comes from, but also the compassionate desire to have us grow a little bit beyond that line of thinking so that we can hold our world with more nuance and understanding and be better together. That's where this comes from. I'm not offering condemnation, but I will say I think I just can't wrap my mind around that. I can't believe anyone's capable of that, I think that is the incorrect line of thinking. And the reason I feel that way is because my understanding of human nature is that everyone is capable of things like this. Everyone is capable of of acting out of anger, of acting out of rage and aggression and too much power and ignorance and spite and harming other people. That's what I'm really getting at is everyone is capable of harming other people. Now, we might not ever be in a position in our lifetime where we are, you know, you know, God willing, universe willing, sacred willing, where we're in a position where we have a machine gun and we are a soldier and we are invading another country and we have the power to harm the citizens of that country in the way that the Ukrainian citizens have been harmed. But we all every day are put in positions where we can harm other people. We can harm other people with our actions. We can still physically harm other people, even if it's not in wartime. We can harm other people with our words. 
We can harm other people with carelessness or, you know, biting sarcasm or lack of compassion. So the point is everyone is capable of harming another. And that is at the root of this, even though this war, this conflict seems so big, so large scale and so overwhelmingly horrific, the root of it is still harm to another. And everyone is capable of that. Every human being has the capacity for harm, to harm other people. And I think that if we deny that about ourselves, if we push that part away from ourselves by, you know, sort of um, assuming that, that, you know, we can't understand this level of violence, which implies that we don't identify it with it, that there's none of that the roots of that don't live in us. Um, I think if, if we, you know, deny that capability for harm within us, we're more likely to fall into it. We're more likely to unconsciously act from that place of violence and harm and put more violence and harm into the world, which is the same energy that then perpetuates the large scale violence and harm that we're bearing witness to right now. Because the thing is, the more we make our stuff, right, our, our patterns, our biases, our heavy emotions, our stickiness, our anger, all of that kind of unpleasant and, um, you know, heavy stuff, the more we make it unconscious, the more likely we are to act unconsciously. The more we make our stuff unconscious, the more likely we are to act unconsciously. Whereas if we accept ourselves in fullness, if we accept who we are, not that we are bad people, but that that we are people capable of things that cause harm, if we are aware of that, we can use that awareness to watch ourselves to witness how we act, how we think, how we treat other people, how we respond in certain situations, how we show up in the world. We can watch that intentionally and with awareness. And with that awareness, we then have power and choice. We can choose to show up and work and behave and live in a way that we, we can work toward the good. We can live in a way that puts more goodness into the world on purpose, knowing that we're also capable of harm, but we're making the intentional choice to work in the good instead. Whereas if we just assume we're only capable of goodness, we're repressing a part of ourselves that's real. And the more we push it down, it's just, or I should phrase that as, you know, we can try to push it down all we want to, but it's going to make its way up in just in ways that are unconscious. It's going to sort of spill over. Um, just like if we have tension, you know, in a relationship and we don't speak about it and instead we just, we repress it, the energy of how we interact still contains that tension. Same as our capacity to do harm. If we repress it, it's still going to come up unconsciously. And so it's better that we're conscious of it so we can choose not to act from that place and instead choose to act from the place of goodness on purpose with full knowledge of ourselves. And I believe this is yogic. I believe this is 
uh, deeply interconnected to the path and practice of yoga, which uh, is my foundation and is the uh, the lens through which I speak and share and offer tools here on this podcast. Because yoga, the Sanskrit word yoga, means union or wholeness. And wholeness implies an awareness of all parts of a thing. And yoga is in so many ways a practice of self-inquiry. We're working with ourselves. The self is sort of the the ground upon which we're doing the work of yoga. And so wholeness, that wholeness implies an awareness of all parts of the self, which includes our capacity to do harm. And I keep emphasizing our capacity to do harm because that's, that's what the focus is here in this episode as we watch large scale violence and harm unfold in front of us. But I want to make it clear that That wholeness also implies that we have the capacity for goodness, for love, for compassion, all of these things. One of my, one of my teachers and colleagues, uh, Lena Franklin says, everything contains its opposite. So this is not about shame. We're not trying to shame ourselves or, um, imply that we're terrible people because if we're acknowledging we have the capacity to do harm, we are inherently also acknowledging that we have the capacity to do extraordinary good. So I want to name that. And that's the wholeness, right? That is the wholeness of yoga is an awareness of all parts of ourselves. And it's illustrated in so many places in yoga philosophy. You've heard me speak to some of this before on this podcast, if you've been listening along. Um, But yoga, classical yoga, the path of yoga as laid out in the the sacred texts um, like the Bhagavad Gita and the Yoga Sutras and, you know, as it was developed in India and passed down from teacher to student and teacher to student for thousands of years, that path of classical yoga is very deeply influenced by the faith tradition of Hinduism. They're not the same thing, but they grew up together in the same place and same time in India. And so they influence each other a lot. And a lot of Hindu philosophy and iconography and symbolism influences yoga. And so the deities, the forms of the sacred or the forms of sacred energy that are recognized in the Hindu tradition. And I say forms of the sacred because there are many forms and I honor any form of the sacred that you recognize, but those that are recognized in the Hindu tradition, um, they, they influence a lot of yoga philosophy and they come up a lot in yoga philosophy. And so if you look at the Hindu tradition, and I've, I've spoken about this, I believe there was a whole podcast episode that I dedicated to this, um, but there are forms of the sacred in Hinduism that are gorgeous, beautiful, just meant to inspire like heart busted open, drooling heart eyes, love and devotion. Um, like Krishna. Krishna is the Hindu form of the sacred that is about just, he represents divine love and, and the divine play and romance of life. And he is said to be gorgeous and um, beautiful. And then there's all there are also forms of the sacred that are terrible. They are terrifying. They're fierce, almost demonic, like Kali. Kali, the energy or the goddess of transformation, is usually depicted as incredibly fierce, sometimes terrifying to look at. Um, she has blood dripping from her, excuse me, from her tongue. 
She wears a, a necklace of human heads and a skirt of human arms. So there is a, a darkness. Um, I don't I don't love using darkness as a perjur a, a pejorative uh, pejorative. Hopefully I pronounced that right. Uh, but she there's a violence. There is a violence in Kali, um, and both of these two forms of the sacred are represented within the Hindu tradition, which again, deeply influenced yoga. And I think that speaks to the wholeness of, of yoga. The fact that, because um, uh, my understanding of all of these forms of the sacred, especially in Hinduism, but really all forms, is that they're here to teach us something about ourselves, something deep and real and resonant about ourselves. And so if there are forms of the sacred that are gorgeous and loving and also forms of the sacred that are violent and terrifying, that implies that those qualities are present in us as well. And it's wholeness, it's yoga to embrace and understand that. Doesn't mean we have to shame ourselves for knowing that we're capable of harm. Because like I said, I believe that knowing we're capable of it means we're less likely to perpetuate it at least unconsciously. We have the tools to choose to work for the good instead. And so the name of this episode is wrap your mind around it because it's an invitation. It's not a judgment. It's not shame, just an invitation if you're in the place where you are witnessing this conflict, which, you know, there's part of me that hopes you are. I'm not saying we have to be tuned into the news every second of the day. We have to preserve our hearts in some way and take care. But I think it's important to be aware when there's this amount of suffering in the world. So if you're tuned into this conflict and you are in that place where you've thought, oh, I, I can't wrap my mind around this. Lovingly, I'm going to invite you to wrap your mind around it. To wrap your mind around the fact that all human beings are capable of harming other human beings, including each of us. But the more we acknowledge that, the more consciousness we have to choose to act in the good instead. And consciousness of it, awareness of it, it's a big piece of this work. And so you know it's time to stop talking about it and put that into practice to, to embody consciousness through mindfulness, through meditation, through contemplative practice. So this is the moment in the Awareness Offerings podcast where we sit for some contemplative meditative practice. If you are not in a position to do that safely or you're doing something else, this might be a good time to pause the podcast and come back when you're ready. If you're coming along right now, I'll invite you to get your body into a comfortable seat. Comfortable seat is any seat as long as you can lengthen your spine, the center line of your body. It's where your nervous system lives. It's the central pathway through which your energy moves. And so when it's long and open, there's just a little more connection and fluidity and flow, which can help us, which can support us in meditation practice. But whatever else you do with your body is up to you. You might be sitting with your legs crossed. You might get your legs into a different position. You might be on the ground. I would say please sit on a cushion or a pillow or a blanket or lift your hips in some way if you're doing that. But you could also be on a chair or on your bed. You might have your back against the wall or have support underneath your knees. Just find that long spine. The only other invitation I'll invite you into is to keep it upright, just to stay awake. 
Although if people fall asleep in meditation, I don't have judgment for that. We're just typically trying to keep us, keep the mind conscious for consciousness practice. So you find your way into your comfortable seat. And then you might settle there by choosing to close your eyes or gaze down, just gaze softly down the tip of your nose or toward the floor. Whatever allows you to turn the dimmer down comfortably on your external vision to turn towards some internal looking. And then you might begin a practice of breath awareness here, if that is supportive for you. It's a centering practice where we bring the mind, the body, and the focus into one place just by inhaling and observing that we're breathing in. Exhaling and noticing that we are breathing out. You might continue that as a way of establishing and centering into your presence here. But if the breath doesn't do it for you, you could choose another point of awareness to focus on, like a sound you can hear or a sensation you feel, like the clothes on your skin. And from this place of presence, I'm going to offer a song lyric that comes from one of my favorite musicians who was really one of my first spiritual teachers since 2010, before I even knew what the spiritual path was. It's Trevor Hall, beautiful bhakti yoga practitioner, uh, devoted um, practitioner. And in one of his songs off of um, In and Through the Body, his latest album, he sings, the song is called Great Storm Clouds. And he sings, I don't deny any side. I don't cut branches off my tree. And he's referring to our capacity for both the good and the harm. I don't deny any side. I don't cut branches off my tree. So for a moment, you might just feel yourself expanding into the breath or into you know, the stillness and steadiness of your body or the quiet of your moment or whatever you feel that's supportive when you sit for meditation practice, just kind of expanding into that, softening into that like tree branches and their flowers here in the springtime when I'm recording this. You reach for the sun. You just expand preparing to kind of open into an awareness of all sides of all branches of the tree just settling and expanding into your moment and noticing how it feels to do that for you right now
from this place of expanded presence or whatever kind of presence you're sitting in today, I'm going to invite us into a little self-inquiry and contemplation practice. And before we do that, I'm going to invite you to fold your left hand on top of the center of your chest, right hand on top of your left, soft cupping in your palms. Like you're holding your heart. This is a heart-holding mudra. Mudra is a yoga pose you do with your hands. Just holding your own heart in preparation for embracing awareness of all parts of yourself. It's almost like a physical, symbolic way to hold all parts of yourself. But I'm going to invite you to maybe feel the light pressure of your hands at the center of your chest and touch some awareness, some focus, maybe some breath into the center of your chest for just a moment. The center of your chest is the energetic center of the heart, of love and compassion. And I want to start there because I want, uh, I want to invite us to hold ourselves in love and compassion as we observe and hold awareness of all sides of ourselves. Because we're not serving shame. We're not serving blame. We're not serving, um, you know, unworthiness here just awareness. And so we hold ourselves in the heart and we just remember that we are loving beings. The heart of us is this love. And we invite compassion for all of this, for all that comes up in our practices, all that we observe in the world, however we respond to it. Maybe imagining your breath moving in through the center of your chest towards your shoulder blades as you inhale then out from your shoulder blades and through the center of your chest as you exhale. Just breathing in and out at your heart for another moment or two so you can hold yourself in loving awareness and compassion for this particular practice. Let's take two more breaths at the heart. And after you exhale, you have a choice. If you'd like to continue to softly hold your heart with this physical hand posture throughout this inquiry and contemplation practice, please feel free. Or you can release your hands to whatever position is comfortable, not distracting. And from this place of heart awareness and presence, I'm going to invite you to think of a moment where you opened your heart. And one of the ways that we open our heart is by doing something for someone else, offering love beyond ourselves through service, through helping, through caring. So please think about a time that you cared, a time that your heart was opened with love and you acted for the good. Just reflect on it. Bring it to your mind. Remember what happened, how it felt. Kind of feel the the residual energy of it in your body, maybe your heart, and just be with that part of yourself for a few breaths.
then I'm going to invite you to shift and bring to mind a time, could be recent, could be in the past, where you perpetuated harm. Self-compassion, no judgment, just awareness, just a a sort of open and, and somewhat neutral awareness. Just remembering what happened, what you did, how you felt, and how you feel now about it. And then I'll invite you to release both of those memories and bring your awareness back to the center of your chest. Notice that even in acknowledging your capacity to perpetuate harm, you still have access to your heart. You can still be in your heart. And then from that place, I'll invite us into an affirmation, mantra, inhaling, I'm here with all parts of myself, denying nothing, I am whole, inhaling, I am here with all parts of myself, exhaling, Denying nothing, I am whole. Inhaling, I am here with all parts of myself. Exhaling, denying nothing, I am whole. Inhaling, I am here with all parts of myself. Exhaling, denying nothing, I am whole. You continue at your own pace, just breathing it in and out, perhaps focusing your breath and or awareness at the center of your chest, at your heart, as you affirm your capacity to understand all parts of yourself. And choose your heart anyway. Inhaling, I am here with all parts of myself. Exhaling, denying nothing, I am whole. I'll invite us to take a few more breaths like that.
And then on your next breath in, I'll invite you to breathe in through your nose. And then exhale through your mouth just to ground and release. Two more. And one. Then as your breath recalibrates, you can begin to blink your eyes open, to move around, to return to the space outside of your formal meditation practice. But the practice, in my understanding, is meant to be embodied. It's meant to teach us things in those moments of formal stillness that we can then put into practice in the movement of life. And what we did just now was a practice of wholeness. And I think perpetuating the energy of wholeness in a world that is just riddled with the energy of harm really matters. More whole people are less people who are perpetuating harm. So thank you for practicing. Thank you for joining me for this awareness offering and for going into embodied practice with me. You can find me on social media at Laura Tara, L-A-U-R-A-T-A-R-A, on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. My intro and outro music was created by none other than my very own brother, Oxella Sun, O-X-E-L-A-S-U-N, whom you can also find on Instagram. <laughs>